Welcome everyone, it is Sam Kai here from Enterprise DNA and you're listening to the Analytic Mind podcast. Now today I'm talking with Richie Bacella. Now Richie is a really interesting guy and he has been working at a business called Sherwin Williams for a number of years now and from those in the US I'm sure you know what Sherwin Williams does, you know they're into paints, maybe not everyone around the globe does um, because they probably have a bit more competition around the world, but they are a huge company, huge organization, ten, I think well over 10,000 employees. You know, they're in, a, they're in like 100 countries uh, around the world. So huge global footprint. And so Richie is managing a team in the data engineering space. So this is something that we haven't really gone into much uh, in other, other episodes, but to me and why I thought this would be really interesting is that this data engineering, you know, it's a technical term and you might think that it's only relevant to large organizations. But as we discover in the podcast uh, during this particular episode is that it is becoming more and more relevant to all businesses of all sizes. Because what Richie is dealing with at a larger scale in terms of managing data from many different systems and engineering sort of data pipelines is now more relevant than ever to even organizations of a much smaller size because you've got to think that your data now data now is just dispersed everywhere you know it's it's in your own internal systems but it's also in SaaS based applications it might be in cloud-based uh, databases etc and so you really are having to engineer your data you know whether you're a business of 20 people or you're a business of 20,000 people. And so Richie had a lot of great insights around how they are doing it in a sort of more broad conceptual way uh, and how you can replicate some of that with many of the new age technologies that are out now and are really uh, growing fast. You know, plenty of just great insights just around that sort of back-end work, right? Because as many of you know that, you know, data and analytics uh, seems easy uh, when you just look at a dashboard, but sitting in behind that is a lot of core infrastructure that needs to be, and, and sort of data governance that needs to be managed effectively. And so that is becoming much easier now than it ever has been but still there's there's you know it's very important to get this part of your data initiatives right and so richie just had a range of great ideas around how to do that and what we also did is we we talked a little about a bit about these technologies that are now available and one of those is uh, a database software called snowflake and they're trying to evolve into a space they're calling the you know being the data cloud Uh, And so Richie just had some good insights around what they are doing and how they are sort of democratizing a lot of the back-end infrastructure that need, you know, back-end work and and infrastructure that needs to be engineered, you know, around your data, around your data assets. Um, So we, we, you know, I really wanted to dive into that a little bit more so that that's exactly what we did during this particular episode. Okay, so enough from me. There's plenty of great stuff to be you know, gathered from this dis- this particular discussion. Really looking forward to you listening on it. Now, just before we dive into it, don't forget there's many ways you can consume the great content that we uh, have at the Analytic, uh, where we're creating it through the Analytic Mind podcast. There's the Enterprise DNA YouTube channel, the Analytic Mind YouTube channel, your favorite podcast listening app, obviously. Uh, and also our blog, which is our podcast blog, which is on the Enterprise DNA website. So heaps of, there's just a summary of all the podcasts there. You can listen to the podcast there. We also have you know, transcriptions of the podcast there. So many, many different ways that you can uh, consume and uh, get insights from from this particular content that we're that we're putting out there. Right. Okay. I think we've covered everything off. Let's uh, let's jump into it. Let's get into this episode. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams. Okay, welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. Today, I'm joined by Richie 
Bacala. Hopefully I've got that right. You can correct me if I've got that wrong, Richie. Richie is calling in from Ohio in the States and works for a company called Sherwin Williams. And I think there's so many interesting things that we can go into around data engineering in this episode. So I'm, I'm really excited to jump into it. Um, Richie's been working with in the space for a very long time. Uh, and with Sherwin Williams for a long time. So I think there's uh, some global experience that we can leverage off during this particular episode. So yeah, really looking forward to jumping in. So Richie, why don't I just throw to you? You give us a much better background, uh, you know, a much better overview of your background and you know what you're currently doing now. Sure. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. And uh, thanks for having me, Sam. So it's uh, Richie Bachala. So I uh, work for um, Sean Williams, like you just mentioned, and I manage our global data engineering team. And I've been within the data analytics space, you know, formerly BI, business intelligence space for close to around five years. But prior to that, I was in data integration space and middleware space for Oracle. And prior to that, I started my uh, career consulting in Oracle ERP, predominantly EBS space work and which kind of evolved a lot into Oracle middleware and integrations. It also did a little bit of product uh, development at Oracle, you know, uh, 10 years ago. But uh, anyways, we, uh, currently at Sherman, uh, just a background for people who don't know Sherman Williams, we are the world's largest consumer-based paint manufacturing company. And uh, we are in about 120 countries. And basically, you know, when you say paint in the US, everybody thinks about Sherman Williams and also for most part internationally. So my team here uh, that I manage uh, at Sherman is uh, truly a of global in nature. So since we are in such a uh, large, you know, geographic uh, placement, I need to have strategically placed teams that are, uh, you know, that service our Latin uh, region based off of uh, Mexico City. So I have a small team out there. And then uh, uh, for EMEA region, there's a, a few developers or data engineers that are based off of a couple of different locations within UK and Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, there's a small team out there that services our APAC and ANZ, Australia and New Zealand region. And here we are headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. And with the acquisition of recent acquisition of Valspar, I also inherited their data warehouse developers from uh, Minneapolis. So basically five different locations in the data engineering team uh, that I manage is uh, based off of, and uh, it's fairly large. And we also have a lot of consultants. Uh, we have uh, our footprint currently is a lot of on-prem data uh, that is moving into the cloud. So uh, enabling a lot of that effort and our journey from on-prem into the cloud is kind of what we're leading towards. I hope that's a good background there, Sam. Yeah, man, that, 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 that's great. That's great. Now, what I think would be good is data engineering is not a term that has come up much in, in any previous episodes. So do you want to maybe just give us like a, a really short rundown exactly what you, I mean, I think everyone sort of conceptually knows mm -hmm. what it means, but I think it'd be good to sort of just elaborate on day-to-day -day what that means. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, business intelligence is where this all started. Uh, business intelligence was a key terminology that has been around for, you know, a lot of long time, a decade and a half. And uh, a lot of things evolved from BI to data visualizations and and uh, analytics-based, uh, uh, infograph-based reporting solutions. And in the back end... Uh, if you go back, if you step back about 15 years, the standard way of doing reporting from an OLDP uh, applications is by building a star schema. Uh, you either have two methodologies. You either go using the Kimball methodology or the Inmoff uh, methodology. So when you pick one of those, you basically are building a smaller reporting data model, which is good for you know, reporting and uh, in a more realistic manner and better performance. A lot of that has changed with the evolution of cloud because, you know, the reason why you have to do a lot of star schema modeling and data modeling is is uh, because of the lack of compute resources, is because your runtime for doing large-scale metrics and aggregations is going to be very, you know, expensive and intense. And, you know, in order to get any business insights, it takes forever. So with that, you know, uh, with that not being a lot of, an issue. I mean, big data is not a problem anymore. The problems that we have right now is, you know, moving data from on-prem to the cloud, doing ETL, modern modern data ingestion and data transformation solutions that are needed. So that's where my team predominantly focuses. So like majority of the team are by by default data warehouse developers. Uh, you know, they are very skilled in building, you know, very complex star schemas with uh, metrics and aggregations that are needed for reporting. But in a sense, we are now you know, coined ourselves as a data engineering team from being data warehouse and ETL developers in the past is because of the evolution of the cloud and what we are 
and our efforts into making cloud more accessible. So that kind of where data engineering as a term does fit in. And it is kind of coined by Gartner, I believe, initially. And, and it has been catching up quite a lot here in the US, in the Bay Area. It started to be uh, a thing. And now, you know, the uh, evolution is, you know, data engineering is needed so data scientists can do their work, you know, so business analysts can do their work because they don't have to wrangle and 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 do a lot of these create a lot of these data pipelines that is all responsibility of us i mean uh, and also enabling uh, a data repository like a data lake for analytic solutions is also part of our responsibility so our our background is everything in the back end everything that is not needed by the analysts on the front end is kind of relies comes back to my team in, in short Nice, nice. No, I, I like that. I think another way to look at it is, well, another way that I'm trying to frame it is, is sort of like you're building these virtual data pipelines, right? So you're you're sort of evaluating your data, where, where data is located in its rawest form, and you're trying to build the pipelines mm. up to you know a an organized uh, an organized lake data lake or, or or pool of data assets that everyone can draw from efficiently and and ease, more easily than they have been in the past. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's def- about one third of our, our primary responsibilities to make sure how those common data sets, we call them globalized data sets because, you know, you the same data from different applications looks a little bit different nomenclature wise. And also your ER diagrams look a little different. So in order to build globalized data sets, meaning uh, you know, hey, you know, you have a diff- four different ERP systems in Latin America, per se, which is a lot more complex than us, the way we have it. But for a particular problem that we're trying to solve, say there are four different ERP systems and you need to, per se, bring in various supplier information or various, you know, various supply chain related data sets from these. And then you have to normalize that in a standardized format for to enable globalized reporting available. So yes, the, the virtual data pipelines, uh, virtualization is also something we do a little bit, but it is not primarily, not all solutions. Uh, it, it is not a solution for all our problems, but there are certain business use cases, maybe we are two to 5% of our use cases are something that virtualization can solve. But otherwise it's, it's still, we still like building data models <laughs> because it solves the problem for most part. Right, nice. I think there's there's a lot that we can dive into there, which I'm I'm quite mm-hmm. excited about because not everyone is going to have the resources to have some some data engineer or data engineering team like mm-hmm. like, like like you have, right? And so I think there's there's lots of different parts to your role that I think others mm-hmm. could replicate in some way when they don't have those resources. So I definitely want to dive into that. But before I do, I just want to get mm-hmm. your perspective on how your role has changed with the emergence of sort of the self-service aspect of mm-hmm. data analytics, because that really, to me, has been, you know, it's, it's, it's a five to eight year, it's only been happening sort of five, right. over the last five to eight years, you know, and, that, and that's more sort of like my background is more on the sort of business side, more, more so than, mm-hmm. than, than your experience. And so I, I wonder how your particular role has evolved during that time. Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, we enable, so my user base is about 11,000 users within the company that consume our data for various purposes, right? There is no way my team was able to service like thousands of people for for varied, you know, reporting requirements. It, we, we strongly, strongly advocate and evangelize self-service-based data analytics platforms. So our solutions are always custom-built for you know, encouraging self-service. And and you are rightly said, I mean, you know, it is easier to build and give them a report, but we don't want to. So Tableau, uh, with, with the evolution of Tableau and, and tools like Power BI, uh, you know, you make the data sets available. So Tableau, you call them data uh, TDEs or Tableau data sources. So you generated a globalized Tableau data source and then you put it out there and, you know, uh, it's an enterprise data source for, say, you know, incident management or defect tracking for, you know, for a particular region. So when you have that available, all the local stakeholders and the business unit, you know, managers and the, uh, you know, mid-level managers go and access that same data set and it is available all the way across, all the way top. So that is a, that is our our vision and how how we are operating on a day-to-day basis. And, and to answer your question, how has self-service changed. Self-service has changed quite a lot 
you know, uh, I'll give you an example. So the way Tableau came into our organization here at Sean Williams is we had no idea. So we were still evaluating, you know, platforms like, should we go with Power BI? Should we go with Tableau? Uh, or should we look at other options? And because since we are an Oracle shop, you know, we were, should we look at Oracle, you know, analytics cloud or, you know, options that are similar. So even while that was going on, you know, we went to a user for, um, because we are IT. So we went to our, our local Tableau user group just to, hey, you know, the, lo the local account reps invited to us and then we went there. And then um, there were a bunch of people from our user base was in the first two rows. So at towards the end, when the user group was ending, uh, when they asked, you know, how many of you guys are Tableau customers? We see a bunch of them raise their hands. They're like, uh-uh. You know, wait, we don't have Tableau. We don't have an enterprise implementation of Tableau. What's going on here? So <laughs> that's so funny. After the end of the uh, after the end of the user rate, sorry, the user group, we go back and say, "Hey guys, uh, so you guys are Tableau customers? How's that?" It's like, "Oh yeah, we bought Tableau." It's like, "What do you mean you bought Tableau?" So they all went and bought Tableau desktop licenses for their desktop using their corporate Amexes, and and I said. So how's, how are you getting the data? Well, we're taking an extract from OBIE and business objects and dumping into an Excel sheet and adding it into Tableau and then we're building our visualization. So that was a rude awakening. I mean, and then we realized, we scanned that there were like a lot more pockets of such, you know, po uh, pocket BIs. And we had to, you know, take that as feedback, go into it and say, hey, you know, what do we do to enable what you guys want to do? But we don't want you to do duplicate the data. We don't want you to make a flat files, take extracts and do all that. We'll manage all that. So that's my team's responsibility at data engineering team. We'll give you the extract. You guys go do your thing on the analysis part. So we encourage that. I, I mean, you know, that's how Tableau came about. And now we are a lot bigger Tableau shop locally here with, you know, you know, a big footprint of user base using Tableau for the future. And then on the back end, we use Snowflake as well. But, you know, I can I'll hold off for your next question. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, that's that, that's super interesting how the self-service aspect of the of your analytics initiatives got basically started. You know, with 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 business users sort of just going over the top and uh, figuring figuring it out for themselves. But I, I I dare say that's not a unique. That's not as probably unique as you think. Like that that has probably happened at a lot of places. And I think yeah. you know a lot of it has to do with the the functionality of say like Tableau or Power BI or Click is uh, yeah you know it 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 is tailored towards the business user and and the functionality is just so superior to what was available historically and it happened so quickly but you know those are the sort of things that are going to just naturally happen i would say right i agree and and i think it continues to evolve and uh, and it also evolves in the back end too right there are you know tools like Alteryx. there are tools like uh, tableau mm -hmm. data prep which enables the business users to do do the data wrangling they don't have to wait for it to do you know, code mash and then do transformation, you know, Th that bridge is, is getting, um, you know, smaller and smaller as time goes on and it continue to do that. And, uh, you know, a lot of these products are not as at maturity level that you would want for doing the entire ETL stack of uh, operations, but it does a fair bit. And we increase that to, I mean, we increase that within reason, within, you know, what the way we look at it is data is our asset and we want to make sure it is clean, it is collated and it is governed. And it is governed in a way that, you know, you're not getting du duplication. You're not having issues with uh, multiple, what do you call, replicated copies of the same siloed database, data sets all over the place. That's what we want to decrease within the organization because that just, creates a lot more headcount that is needed to support such uh, you know workflows. So we are focusing you know strongly in building a data lake that's a sustainable, not just dumping data into it, and then b which is standardized and it is certified. You know, like the Twitter's uh, you know the check mark and Instagram has a blue tick mark. So we're trying to do the similar thing using a, a product called Zen, Zenoptics. It's like a small startup based off of the Bay Area. And uh, it's a great startup because regardless of your report, say you go for purchasing uh, data sets and you have a Tableau, OBIE, business objects, you have say MicroStrategy or some other you know tools of reports that are there. What Zenoptics does is it's like a BI hub. It has one-stop shop based off your data set or, or your report domain, you can put them all into this one portal, which is basically a web browser based portal. 
and then it enables it. So we've been trying to you know implement that at scale. Uh, we are we have done a smaller implementation to make that available and people can go at it at that data and that reports that are standardized and enterprise metric and then they can make duplications of them as in as in when so now we're using some you know a few other tools like that yeah interesting I'm, I'm really interested to look up that particular tool myself actually i think there's you know as, as i mentioned just just before i think there's a few things that i'd like to go into around the data engineering piece that i think would be great to just unpack a little bit like not everyone i believe knows what a data lake is or or like the specifics around a data lake and why everyone why everyone's doing this why is everyone evolving to this data lake now so i would be interested to get like a you know a, a layman's perspective or like just like an easy overview of how and why everyone you know you, you would want a data lake and then maybe what sort of technology you can use to to create it for a, a business maybe a smaller business mm-hmm. a medium-sized business uh, etc yeah that, that's a great question i mean so everybody so the first question people come and to it is like i need data i need this data i need that data i need this thing that's available it could be in 20 different you know, data sources. It could be a SQL Server database. It could be in an Oracle. It could be flat files, XML files, Parquet files. It, it's structured, unstructured. It is no matter what. It could be in AWS or you know a sensor data that you're getting from IoT devices. No, no matter what, someone's coming to you for data, and then they want to know what that data says. And they want to know if they can generate some kind of an insight and then convert it into some kind of a profit. That is the basics of everyone's organization's 101 need, no matter how big or small, mom and pop shop or a $100 billion company or like a $20 billion company like that we are. You know, so uh, Data Lake basically enables that conceptually, that is what it is there to to help. It is mm-hmm. it is helping to have house various data warehouses, which are you know structurized data models that are built for various data sets to make reporting faster, available from OLTP apps to you know flattened reports or dashboards. You know, it enables data science uh, teams, right? Uh, you know, if you want to create a machine learning or AI based algorithms of some you know massive amount of data that hasn't been you know, that's just been classified and hasn't been like, you know, normalized, but it is still sitting out there, but they need to go access that raw data. And that's where you dump it within your data lake. You know, you you dump applications data. You can say, hey, you have multiple, you know, cloud apps or web apps or whatever that's generating, you know, there's certain data sets that you want, that you want the organization to. Instead of you going directly to the database that that app is running. So because the problem happens is when you have, traffic going directly to the application database user traffic going you are going to bring that application down to its knees that's why you need to get it out in a way that you can go reporting off which is like you know the 101 back in the day right but having that along with all the other data sets be available within the same lake like the way that we're calling makes Mm -hmm. it easier and accessible for users so that's the that's the basic understanding that's that's how i would say like in in layman's terms right and 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 there are so many solutions that would you know enable that you know you can have various layers within the lake right you know you can have basic strong raw data and then you have either blob storage or you have you know uh, flat files xml parquet files all json files living in that area and then you can have the next layer which is a little bit more normalized standardized with dimensions that are date uh, that are organized in a way that it could be you know cataloged and streamlined so it and and every and like snowflake gives you a lot of that ability and it's what it's one of you know really good options that you have you can build them on amazon redshift aws redshift you can build your data lake on google bigquery so i mean those are definitely the three three best options that are available but for Mm -hmm. i mean and and i've written a medium article comparing those three currently available great platforms on the cloud. It's Snowflake versus Redshift versus what do you call uh, Google BigQuery and what are the differences and what would work for a small size organization or a big size and what is their customer. It's it's a little bit dated article. I think I wrote it like about a year and a half and it's also widely read. The views on that is ridiculous. Every week I think I get about 1500 views and uh, <laughs> I get a couple of emails or tweets uh, response on that. So if you want to look look that's, it up, it's on Medium. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I would say you probably get a lot of Google traffic because I, even myself, I've looked into these databases, mm. but it's so hard to understand the pricing and the difference in mm. features. So you probably get, you know, pro- everyone's probably typing that into Google and they're all going to your medium article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I think I'm getting all the traffic because I've been asked the same question. I've been asked that question every week for, for months. And yeah. we've done that research and, and I was one of the early adopters to start looking at Snowflake. We've been looking at Snowflake for over three and a half years and we, we actually started an implementation, uh, you know, less than mm-hmm. two years ago. And we've seen the product evolve, the, the offering and the platform evolve right from then. And, and so did I, so did I and my team, we did an evaluation on Redshift as well as Google BigQuery, right? Mm-hmm. So we learned a lot and a lot of that data, a lot of that evaluation, you know, data that we use for pricing for, you know, market segmentation, what's the target market like, what are the sizes, you know, how, how much is, uh, what is it, what's the difference between this, the SQL language, you know, Snowflake uses NoSQL, what is Google, uh, you know, BigQuery has its proprietary stuff and, you know, ANSI mm-hmm. SQL, how much of that is used. So there's a lot of things category wise that I put in there. And, and then I said, you know what, I'll just put it out there so people can go at it. So if anyone asks me about it, I'll send the link. So yeah. that's how it came out to be. So it was my first time article that's on medium nice 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 well i i actually want to learn a little bit more about snowflake in, in a second but i have sure. just i just want to round off the concept of a data lake a little bit so to me sure. like a lot of organizations you know medium mm-hmm. to to large organizations they've probably got all these legacy systems right and as as a data right. lake also solving that so instead of having you know 20 different systems that users mm-hmm. might need to connect to for some sort of data and the ability to handle those sort of queries, you know, those yeah. legacy systems aren't sort of built to do that in a lot of cases. So a data lake can solve that. It can it can allow you to bring all your data into it, one place, and I in presume in the cloud, and you can scale yeah. up your you can scale up or down your resources depending on on your internal requirements at any time. Yeah, in a way, yes, but data lakes are tricky. If it if they're not governed, they turn out to be swamps. I mean, you know, then they are right. data, you know, that's, that's like somebody coined that like a while ago, data lakes turn into data swamps in six months, if you're not using it right, because mm-hmm. it's not just dumping ground for everything that's out there. You actually have to have quality data. So here's how I look at it. You know, it's a terminology. You know, if you, if you have, say per se, you have multiple data warehouses in one database, you could call it a minuscule data lake, like, you know, for whatever reason, right? For the reporting mm-hmm. and analytics purpose, you have multiple data warehouses. Say you have all your supply chain and the finance data sets in one, uh, all warehouses are in one Oracle database. Technically, you know, technically, if you want to go from the terminology wise, that is your data lake. It is one database. It's having all your warehouses and has all the data sets. And a lot of people are accessing that for various business purposes uh, to solving problems. So that's your data lake. But, you know, it, it gets a lot more dangerous and complex when you are talking, you know, multiple data sources and you're bringing that data. It is very important to have a governing authority on what's going there and how is it maintained? Is it maintained well? Is it cataloged well? What is your standardized di- uh, dimensions that are going to define all of your data sets within your data lake? What about un- semi-structured data, right? What about, are you going to also put files in there? Are you also going to put what you call maybe image files in there or like XML files in there? How are they going to be consumed into it. You know, Snowflake gives you an ability to query directly XML, CSV, JSON, and Parquet files. That's huge. So that decreases your data engineering or your ETL process for writing that, the extract, transform, and load process for writing that data into your database. It goes by phenomenally by by a lot less. So, you know, there are tools that help it, but, you know, data lakes, it is, it, it, I wouldn't really put it as a platform or like a software or like a solution, but it is something that you need to develop within your organization for whatever you want. You can call it whatever, you know, um, some people call it enterprise data repository or, you know, uh, or or enterprise data lake, this, you you can come up with multiple different names, but it is like a common common ground where you you are agreeing as an organization, be it Mm. 25 people or, thousand people and usually data lakes come to be of billion dollar within billion dollar companies because smaller companies have their they know where their data sets are they know their compute sizes and 
and all that but when you when you add the, the the beginning of data science teams when you their biggest problem and their biggest complaint any data scientist that or data science team true data science team that you talk to them the first first complaint is like oh we don't have access to this data but we have to take that over bring it over and do they spend about 85 on an on an average every data science project or or analyst that they're working on a project they spend about 85% cleaning you know and creating test data training data missing data and then uh, normalizing the data so it fills into the bell curve and you know making it ready for the model to run that takes like 85% of the time running the model is is not rocket science anymore i mean before like yes 10 years ago you need, you're supposed to write the entire you know oh chi square algorithm or regression you need to write that entire statistic based thing now you have functions readily available you can kick them off using python you don't need fancy data science degrees you know you mm. you, you a little some you know a software programmer with a little bit more understanding of what are you doing in statistics and then you basically you know evolve to be a data scientist you know there's that's the other grab that uh, other gap that it is you know decreasing and minimizing and it's basically like making data more self service you know that's that's the whole concept behind it like i don't know i went on a tangent there but i hope i answered no look i i i find it i find it really fascinating because uh, th- this might seem like some enterprise level term but i i i tend to think that it's more than that because if you think about even small to medium sized businesses have some sort of requirements here because everyone's using saas based software more right. and more the the sort of penetration into the market uh, around everything that any business does is more cloud based and so a lot of this data isn't actually very accessible you know right. a lot of these companies don't make it readily accessible to reach into their database and grab your data right so you know if if businesses want to be more data driven and that that is the software that is capturing all your data well then you need to really actually create a data lake yourself to then right. go and run you know to go and use tableau to use power bi to use excel right. even so yes. to me the the concept of a data lake is is moving down market at a rapid speed you know it, yeah. it it might it might find sound like some fancy um enterprise marketing term but it actually in reality is is far more relevant to all businesses of all sizes it it truly it truly is i mean you know having your staging data available and raw data available for everyone within the organization go to the data lake right so you have 10 applications or you have like 100,000 applications and they all have different databases or maybe they are all saas like you said saas most of them are saas based uh, apps that are in the cloud so you generate an api and get the data packets created and dump it into the data lake before you start using for whatever purpose you know so then if somebody else also wants to go to that same data set it's readily there you can't you don't need to duplicate it from one database to the other it's already there and 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 compute is not a problem storage is extremely cheap right now so you can throw a terabyte out there in snowflake for 22 dollars a month or less you know and that that's extremely extremely cheap and you keep throwing more terabytes in there and and you can and if it if it gets re- ridiculously large then you can put it on cold storage and that's pennies on the dollar right so mm-hmm. there is there is so many options that the cloud makes it available that you know problems of the past are really not problems but the problems now of the future are how are you going to get there how are you going to build it how are you going to manage it because the scale is 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 grown so big that you need like tools like data catalogs like informatica provides data catalogs there's multiple vendors that are there that gives you like metadata of your metadata of your metadata in order to really yeah. truly understand and to profile what's out there so yeah it's mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a every company's one on one is like okay where is my first platform our our platform's standard storage layer going to be that's your data mm-hmm. you know yeah. It, it, yeah. you don't know you don't know but you have one already so so yeah yeah, yeah. i i th- i i honestly think that this term is going to go far more down market than you think like every everyone yeah. talks about up, going up market but you know to me data lakes are going down market because every mm-hmm. single business whether you're 10 person or you're you know you're 1000 i mean you probably need a data lake if you want to do any type of analysis because your right. your data is just going to be everywhere Do you think you know that actually leads us on to Snowflake, which I think is 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 good because 
I've heard about Snowflake, you know, I, I, mainly in the news because they they went public at some ridiculous valuation. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they, they've got like 500 million of revenue and they're valued at like 50 billion or something, something ridiculous like that. You know, is, right. do, do, do you think that is actually because of what we just talked about? Like this is becoming so core to like every business. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. um, you know, following your view on that, like what is the big deal about Snowflake? Well, why is it better than say like established players like Azure or... AWS or Oracle or, or whatever, like why why are they the, the next best thing in this particular area? That could be a separate segment in itself, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question. So right. Snowflake actually um, addressed a problem that everybody knew existed, but nobody need, thought need, needed solution needed solving because Oracle has been the industry and the market and is currently still the market leader in you know databases in selling they still are i mean you know their they their databases are powerful they can you know solve the most complicated complex data sets very very efficient but it it needs an army you need a a bunch of dbs you need offshore support you you, you need disaster recovery you need on site offside you need like you know there there's a million things that you need to do to maintain a large scale application. And they are moving into the cloud. Or, you know, Oracle is offering all of those offerings in the cloud, but it still is clunky, right? The role of a DBA is almost getting, you know, almost non, non-existent with as cloud evolves to be. So it, it, Snowflake started with that, you know, uh, the first, the biggest, the selling factor for Snowflake was like, we will divide your compute and storage. So you, whatever you're storing, is your storing? You say you store one terabyte data out there. We're gonna that's a separate billing, and you're gonna you're gonna get that one terabyte of data for how many ever applications want to use. You don't have to duplicate it. So let's say let's talk about my shop, right? Like about a few years ago, we spent about thirty couple of, maybe this was like three years ago. We spent in one year thirty two hundred hours. Performance tuning, adding indexes, adding maintenance patches, doing all kinds of you know tweaking within our enterprise warehouse database, which is on Oracle, to make sure the performance is, is kept. Because we are adding users every week and every month to our existing rep- uh, reporting platform, and the data is coming from an Oracle data warehouse. And that data warehouse, we so the volume of data is growing by maybe five to eight percent, but our user base is growing a lot more faster. So we are now we started with like hundreds of users, hundred user, hundred something users. Now we were we're at like two thousand something users, and and they are accessing that data all across the globe from all time zones. So our maintenance windows have went down to very very small to do anything on it. Reindexing, partitioning takes way too much time, and then at certain time at seven a.m. in the morning. All of the stores, users try to get to the same database and the thing basically hangs, you know, and it is a powerful Oracle Exadata box database you're talking about. And even with 3000 hours, our future, the way we are going is like, okay, we need more compute resources. I can't throw more vCPUs to it. There is no, there's none on the server because it is on our own stack within the data center. So there are problems like that everybody started facing. So you're spending all this time on performance, but when you say compute is different, with Snowflake, which means, okay, fine, I'm adding another 50 users here. I'll give them all a different compute cluster. So we'll give a different user ID for them to get in for their reports or for their group membership that we are adding to them. They will That traffic gets directly directed to the storage, which is the data that's out there using the separate compute cluster. Hey, a, a data scientist also wants to use the same data set at the same time, but he wants way too many compute resources. You can give them an extra large or a large or a medium, whatever size that you want, a cluster size. And you, okay, and you can say, hey guy, you spent $5,000 worth of credits last month. So you can also do chargebacks. That that level of segregation was not available in the market. And that is why Snowflake, when it came in, everybody was intrigued because this is new. I mean, you're talking about no more DBA maintenance. You're not talking about no more critical patches. You're talking about, you know, no more, you know, needing to repart partitioning or indexing or you know adding constraints to make things happen and the keys so that that was like a, a huge selling point that is when they started right that's how they started getting industry traction today where they are they evolved in three phases the way i think the, at least the way i don't work with snowflake but from what i've been reading and from what i read so they started with selling virtual data warehouses which 
which gives you compute and storage separately. And they evolved to be a virtual uh, data cloud. You know, so today what they are is they call themselves like the data cloud is no matter what your what your platform is on-prem aws gcp uh, or or uh, uh, microsoft azure doesn't matter we are one data cloud and we would be able to run on all your platforms and we would be bringing all of the all of the enterprises data into one standard platform and everybody will be using that their uh, partnership with salesforce to get salesforce data which is again used to have their own proprietary SoQL database, uh, you know, that's the query language. It's uh, not a normalized database uh, language that they use. It's called SOQL and bringing that data into Snowflake and converting that into ANSI SQL is a huge, huge move because Salesforce had all, all the other integration issues that, you know, we can talk about another day. So, yeah. you know, from there to today to be this one data cloud platform, their vision is on the money. And the products is very simplistic. It is like the apple of the database, I would say, right? It gives you that ease of uh, use and mm -hmm. uh, there is no frills attached. So I, I know I, I went on quite a, quite a depth in there, but I, I hope I give some kind of an understanding as how they came to no. me. And no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I, I just want to summarize it because I think this is you know you you, you talk in some technical terms because that's your your background and that and that's your experience. But I don't think every listener knows all about um, every listener. As some are just business users, I would I would say, and but some some, some would have more IT backgrounds also. But mm. just to summarize that, so it seems like, and, and this is this is you know this is something that even small businesses, medium sized businesses mm -hmm. could look at. Like Snowflake looks like they are trying to develop the most e the easiest to use platform that can become this data lake layer for. Yes organizations right so you, you could have legacy systems which sit on on-prem databases you could have cloud-based systems in azure aws salesforce you could have SaaS based systems that are all based right. you know all their data is in the cloud and they're trying to become the apple of databases making it super easy to bring all of these things create a lake that you can then yes. go and do all your fancy analysis or self-service right. analysis, no matter how how big or small you are. Right, exactly. And, and maybe I'll add like a couple of small things. And they're also providing a platform for some new concepts, which like, you, you know, data share house and the data as a marketplace. So you can go like literally like how you go, go into Apple and, and App Store and then say, hey, I want to get this app. So now you can say, hey, I want to get this data. What is it? You know, is it public data? It's private data, whatever it is, you can pay for it. You know, mm -hmm. there is marketing data that's available. Say, for instance, you have weather data that's available within their data share house, you know. Uh, for, uh, let me take a recent example, right? With coronavirus going on, you know, John Hopkins generates, you know, the mm -hmm. every day, the number of cases across the world, you know, and how much it has gone up by, what is the death count and, you know, unfortunate all numbers that are all there. And it generates in a CSV file and it's available on their website. So one person, from this consulting company, all he did is created one data pipeline, took that data set from John Hopkins, you know, drop CSV file, put it onto a Snowflake database, made that database available publicly. And as soon as that file comes in, you know, their database gets updated and everybody can just go to that one database and you're real time. So you are, your data is not, you know, as soon, whenever that data gets updated by a file from, so we don't have to rewrite that ETL code. So my, I need mm. to go and check that COVID data today. I can, and if I have access to this gentleman's database that you put on Snowflake data share, data, data share house, right? And I have the access now, I'm just querying his database directly. He's the one who wrote the data pipeline to convert that file into, into a database data set. And, and wow. similarly, you know, Concepts like that, where weather data, exchange rates, where you know various currency exchange rates, they change by the minute, right? And when you usually, all organizations usually get a flat file of what the exchange rates were for the last yesterday or for the last week. And there's forecasted value for the next week, usually, right? And depending on that, databases get that. But it's never real-time data. It's always, the moment you get the file, it's already out of date. But now having a, a database that's globally available, anybody can query things. That's a new concept that Snowflake is making available. And I think that's mm. where they're going with the concept of data cloud. Anybody in the world can you know, subscribe and publish you know, a data set to the world 
without needing the infrastructure behind it. If 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 I if I want to make it that mm-hmm. simplistic, it literally is that simplistic. You, you yeah. don't need to, yeah, you don't need to like have a server running somewhere. You don't need to any. All you need to do is get access. You have a key. You have Snowflake subscription. You write a select star from whatever the table you want, and you're looking at the data, live data, right there and there available. And you know. The, the whole thing we can go into egress and all that and how that data moves and all that, but that's not necessary because a lot of people don't have that. And I think, and they want to make that across. And another thing I want to also mention is they have this coined recently in their uh, in their, in their CEO, Snowflake CEO, Frank Slutman, uh, coined some, a, a, a term called data, the time value of data. You know, we all know time value of money, but the time value of data is how quickly can you generate value from the data that you have available? And if you move on, right, from that time, like at a per- particular time, you know, you can see, hey, what is my sales based on these 10 different attributes or this 100 different attributes? And then your model gives you an, an outcome. But imagine you, your model takes three days to generate that, but your day, time that you're asking for it to be done is like today or next six hours. You know, so, but the insight that is getting generated three days later or two days later is not any of value to anyone. Because if you are spending 85% of your, you know, predictive models on, you know, collecting data, merging, purging, and wrangling it, you know, you're lost the time value of data at that point. So it is a very interesting Mm -hmm. concept. And uh, if you Google time value of data, it is, it is where, where the entire cloud-based architecture is going towards is to make data available quickly, efficiently, and with great performance. You know, if you have large data sets, performance is the is biggest issue that most people tend to have. But but I thought I'll, I'll drop that in there because it makes different user base understand. And that's a platform, that's, a, that's, that's what Snowflake enables as a platform. I mean, you know, and kind of a key differentiator, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's super fascinating. And I'm glad that we've really dived into Snowflake because it, it does actually, you know, the news is all about their crazy valuation. But to me, it's some, it makes a bit more sense now. I mean, not 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 to the extreme that, that it's valued yeah. at right now, but the fact that they, it looks like they are unlocking, they are, mm-hmm. they are enabling the unlocking of an enormous amount of value from yeah. data assets. That right. uh, j- just like Apple unlocked a huge amount of value around applications and mobile technologies, right? Right. You know, th- things that you didn't even hadn't hadn't even dreamed of before, like Uber, etc., couldn't exist without Apple. But maybe exactly. maybe the same could happen with with Snowflake. Is it is that kind of what you think the mark the market or just people in general are are thinking? They're demo- they're democratizing. Yeah. They're democratizing it, right? They definitely are, and 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 the evaluation is, is is so crazy because the vision is clear, and there is nobody else doing that same. You know, there is no other competition right now within that space. Right. Right. And and them being platform agnostic the way they are, they're not sucking you into Amazon. They're not sucking you into. So if you go with Redshift, you are confined within Amazon's offerings. You are. Mm-hmm sucked into their entire ecosystem you know it gives you the platform agnostic and level of control where you have control on what's out there your data you know and yeah. and, and you you are right i mean it is democratization of of data making it available you know to everyone to the masses and not mm-hmm. selling you their products their product is pretty simple data cloud and they want to be a platform efficient platform for data and they're giving Oracle a run for their money. They're giving a lot of similar, but they're also building partnerships. And, and I think the vision is so clear, which is which is why they have a long way to go. There's still like a lot of engineering that needs to happen in the background mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. this platform, you know, a lot of features that are missing, but they are working. They have a timeline and, and a roadmap for a lot of those features to be enabled in order to truly become that one database in the universe that you know, technically to go to for mm. most of your needs is basically what their what their goal and their vision is. And I think I think that is that is kind of a lofty goal, but they're on track and you know they delivered and their customers are seeing and most of them are actually 
you know, be- becoming multiple two x, three x, four customers every year as year goes on. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you see you see that more and more in in all the stories. I I spoken to. Uh, I have friends in most Fortune 50 country, uh, companies who are running similar size teams, mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of them have been very skeptical. If you would have asked them about Snowflake two years ago. Because, oh, you're promising the world, right? Mm. But uh, are you really going to be there? But yeah, I, I think I think there is definitely future hope. And it is, it is a great platform. You know, you don't know where it will be five years from now, but for sure, for next two to three years, I'm sure it's going to continue to do well. Yeah, look, I, I think this this is a, this is a unique topic that we've we've gone into today, and I know we've dived into a specific technology quite heavily, but mm-hmm. I, I do feel that there is this massive gap between around resourcing and also knowledge about how to get these data pipelines together for mm-hmm. organizations that might not be as large as say yours or mm-hmm. that are just you know, that are growing, that are young and are growing businesses. Maybe they've got 20 employees, maybe they've got a hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not everyone understands how to put all, bring all this together. And maybe Snowflake as part of their vision is to really enable that for, you know, because even, even when I look at like Azure or AWS, like I would, mm-hmm. I would guess that even small businesses between, you know, small to medium sized businesses still really don't know where to start when they, when they try and build up their data pipelines, their their mm-hmm. data analytics initiatives, like it's still quite complex, quite difficult. I mean, just to just to create like a data lake in Azure, I know mm-hmm. you, you you need to like be running six different technologies in the Azure platform mm-hmm. just to sort of get it going. And so, you know, Snowflake to me sounds like I mean I haven't used it extensively myself, but it sounds like it is making it is simplifying that process, mm-hmm. you know, an incredible amount. And I think that is something that our listeners should explore further if they are still at the beginning of their journey around putting all putting the infrastructure around their analytics initiatives together. Yeah, I agree. And then it also, I think the fact that it doesn't suck you into an ecosystem and you're not like, hey, if you're not sure, okay, you don't know if you are going to be on AWS for everything or Azure mm-hmm. for everything that your organization needs, you don't need to commit to that. Even if you say, if you have, Office 365, right? You know, you can still work a lot of that data that's on Snowflake. So there's, yeah, I, I, I mean, nobody wants to commit. That's the other thing to one platform because you don't know where you are going to be in the future. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it is, it, it is gives you the ability to not be really tied down. And you brought up one thing, right? Not everybody has the ability to do ETL or transformation and all of that. Smaller shops, the the concept of data virtualization, you know, having you know, data available in a semantic layer where people can get to it on in this virtual virtual virtualization layer for smaller companies makes a lot more sense, you know, for smaller data sets where you're not moving a lot of data. You know, you are there are there are companies like Donato and few others that are out there that are actually doing really good work in this space, but they can only do small data sets, you know, and performances of uh, of issue. And Gartner says virtualization is on in the peak of the high cycle, you know, and it works. But I'll tell you, Sam, you know, end of the day, for majority of today's business needs, a, a simple star schema. <laughs> will solve the problem you know a simple data model so if you are bringing a lot of this data from the cloud from say ServiceNow, coupa applications or whatever applications you're looking from the cloud you're bringing into your data layer which is which whatever you want to have it right at that microsoft synapse or you know redshift whatever your data layer is going to be your bottom line is going it needs to be to answer the question is the movement is the ingestion into that layer easy? And once it is there, am I able to massage it so I can really use it easily? I think those are going to be two strong questions that everyone and every organization needs to really focus and ask themselves before they make picking vendors a priority. Because you know what? There is a hundred different ways to do the same thing, but is it, I mean, you know, it's again preference and it is, you know, a lot of things you need to take into consideration. Mm. But um, yeah. 
I'm, I'm also interested just to touch upon, I, I know we're, we, we've gone a bit longer than we anticipated, but it's been really interesting diving into these topics. The data share housing that you, that you mentioned. So this is something that's Snowflake, it sounds like, uh, following through on. So is this, is this a way that if you've got an interesting data set, you can monetize it? Is that, is that what they're trying to yes, you can. enable? Yes, you can, actually. You definitely can. And it is it is not a new topic. It's mm. been, this theory has been around for a while. Mm. But really uh, making it happen is, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, if I am, please hit me up on Twitter or or anywhere and uh, let me know. But, but uh, Microsoft Azure has, Data marketplace. It, it is the same thing as what Snowflake has. Data marketplace. You have your data sets, say census data, right? You know, standard. It's free public data that's available on their website, which is basically a CSV and XML file. You have it available on 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 data marketplace, and Snowflake has that too, and so does a few other platforms, but not at scale at which what Snowflake is enabling. But Snowflake is enabling peer to peer, database to database. You're not you're not getting a file. You're not getting you know it's saying okay, fine, I'll give you access to my database, whatever, right? Whatever the terms are. You know, are you you gonna make money or not? You know, all that is a different different conversation. You can do licensing, you can do a whole bunch of things there. And mm. but I'll give you access to my database. But when you get access to my database, you're not doing ingestion transformation ETL on it. You're just directly querying the database. You're writing a query straight on their database, no matter where you are, no matter where your mm. clusters are. They have it implemented in the East US, in West Virginia, sorry, in Virginia in the US, and you're reaching mm. from say Hong Kong's data center, you know, it doesn't matter. You're still hitting the same database and it is a global footprint. And I think that is really, really neat. And I think that is at scale, that would be beautiful in like in a few years because the amount of time that we waste moving data, transforming and, you know, and why do you want to do it? Why do you want to recreate the wheel when somebody has done it? Just like the COVID situation, COVID, uh, you know, example that I told you, one person did it, one company has done it and he gave access to, several other companies, you know, myself included, mm. right? To yeah. get that free, that's a public data set, but he, they have taken time to put build their transformation, the ETL logic there to make that available in a database. We all don't have to, you know, we all save mm. 20 hours or something, you know, to build that pipeline, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think there is one other thing Snowflake is doing right now. They are, it's like a shark tank, but for, business ideas that you can run on data marketplace and data sharehouses where they're going to fund X amount of dollars. Uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting, I think maybe quarter million or half a million dollars in, in, in seed money for your company, for your pitch. You're basically pitching an idea. This is what we are, we, it, we can do. And it is, it is a really cool platform and you can submit your entries and they're going to review it and they get back to you. And if it does a cool thing, they'll fund you and fund your company to go ahead and, you know, go ahead and do the project and make those data sets available. So I, I don't really remember the name of that, but it is on Snowflake's website. If you go community.snowflake.com or, or something, I think it'll pop up right away. But. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to myself, I, I know what Snowflake is, but I'm, I'm not fully across all these different attributes to to the platform that that you're mentioning so i'm, I'm really going to dive into it myself and i can see just enormous value unlocks from using from what they are trying to do or what or, or what mm -hmm. they what they have already like I, re I remember discussing this with one of our guests and they merged with they they, they acquired a, an organ a company and then they had this three-year roadmap just to get the data into their system. And I was like, three mm -hmm. years is mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. And so it sounds like with if, if you have your your sort of data lake set up or the infrastructure set up in a way that Snowflake has in Snowflake's version, vision, then yeah. the idea would be that you could just you know basically just query the new data source and, and then you know right. you're ready to go. So you you potentially are taking you know, three years down to a matter of months, maybe. Yeah, and, and and that's where the whole, you know, the vision of data suppliers and, you know, data monetization, you know, like you said, you know, if you are, so there's, there's a lot of, like I come from a consulting background myself. So there are a lot of consulting companies that are out there doing the same exact thing for 20 different customers until the until the software gets old and the version is not something different you know they they do it for one customer they reuse the code for so many other customers and then basically to build these pipelines you know build 
when I when I keep saying ETL, that is basically you know extracting your data, transforming it, and loading it in somewhere else. You know, reusing that. A lot of that businesses will be redundant because you know you know pipelines can also be reusable. And I think data as a service is where the future is going. You know, and and everybody wants to wants the data, but you don't want to do the manipulation, the the massaging of it to conform to your needs. And those you can subscribe to various data pipelines. You know, companies like Fivetran are also making that possible, right? Say we are moving this big chunk of data from this this area to this area. He said, don't worry about it. We will take care of it. You know, we will build those pipelines. You just tell what's your source, what's your target. And they work really well with Snowflake and companies like Matillion, Informatica, you know, they are really, really evolving the space and they're making it user, what do you call it, making, the, making it very comfortable for the user to quickly build those integrations, regardless mm-hmm. of the platform. And that is a huge area. And also there is this entire movement of AI for building these pipelines, AI-based pipelines, you know, that is also very interesting to look at. A lot of these, a lot of these technologies are pretty nascent, and and you know they claim to be a lot more mature than they are. So it is getting, but not not you know. If you always, I recommend to go to the Gartner's Magic Quadrant to see which vendor is at which part of their journey and they're mature or not. So yeah, and that's that would be another plug. I think I thought I'd put in that conversation I th- I, it, it, it definitely sounds like we're gonna have to get you back on richie at some point because there's so much more that we can <laughs> we can talk about that i just sure. don't think we've got time for because i i think yeah. we'll we'll do one one last question and this is a broad one that uh, you can take in whatever direction you like what what is you know you're obviously working in a large organization both from a, mm-hmm. an employee perspective but also geographical footprint is yes you know what are what are some of the unique things that you are that you have had to deal with, uh, with such a wide scope like that. Oh man, it's 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 been it's rough actually. Legacy applications, big, no matter how big or small your organization is, we all deal with things of the past, right? Net new projects are always the fun fun thing to do. You know, brand new projects. It's okay. We can build it wherever we want, however we want, whichever platform we want. So the the reality for People in my role or similar role or organizations the size of us or maybe even slightly smaller, they all have to deal with upgrades, migration, and where's the future for that app is going to be. You know, we spend about 50% of our time in a lot of that. You know, applications changing platforms and then uh, you know, applications being upgraded. Where are you gonna spend a lot more time with migrations and upgrades and you know keeping up to date of your applications? Now you 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 were just you were just highlighting how you have to deal so much with legacy systems and mm-hmm. you know the, the the preference is to deal with all this new and shiny stuff, but it seems like mm-hmm. a lot of your time is getting sucked into managing updates on legacy uh, softwares, legacy platforms, yes. you know, making sure and, and that uh, cl- cleaning up like messy data from these systems, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, that's, you know, dirty part of the job. I mean, which you have to keep going, but always what's important is to look to the future as where we are going, you know, our mm-hmm. journey into the cloud, our journey to break down data silos, our journey into having better governed and catalog data to make things happen, projects happen quickly. And when you're talking global, we are talking about regulations that are different, taxation laws that are different, there are different, you know, you need to take GDPR, CCP, you know, all of these SOX compliances into consideration and keeping them adhering to all of that and running a shop, uh, you know, is, is quite a lot. It is a very, you know, it's a, it's a team effort and you have to be extremely collaborative. And IT cannot work in silo anymore. You know, IT has to be in lockstep with business, in lockstep with the leadership. And IT is no longer, or data is no longer, what do you call, an expense in this generation. It is, in fact, an asset. And if you if companies treat it as an expense or if treat it as and something that you have to, you know, just pay to keep things going, then you're looking at it wrong. Because and and I think that 
initiative and that drive needs to come from top down. And when the leadership really understands and gets the urgency and importance of that, you know, there will be truly transformed organizations that can really do big things in the future. And vision is important too. So I I think I would probably want to end on that. So with modernizing your stack, don't just go for things that are shiny and that's out there, but, you know, look, check for the pulse of your customer. Who's your end user? See what works. Cloud is good. Cloud is not bad. Cloud is, is make it make it work for you instead of you know you guys getting sucked into it. So you know there is do a lot of due diligence and don't recreate the wheel. I would say in a lot of companies, okay, I'm gonna do another evaluation. Hey, 200 people have done the same evaluation. You know, <laughs> uh, use consulting companies. You know, use use resources that are out there. I would say mm-hmm. so. There's there's a lot. You know, I think it's an interesting space. It uh, and it's evolving a lot. Every two months, things are different. So it's mm-hmm. very important to be up to date in this space. So. Yeah, one one thing that is undeniable is how exciting the space is. Every yeah. time I, I I talk to people like yourself on these episodes uh, of the podcast that gets me excited about what, about what's possible. I mean, even just some of the things you mentioned around the data share house and, and the, the unlocking of all of these data assets. I mean, there's just enormous potential. It's just ridiculous how, how much potential there is. So really appreciate all your insights. Uh, that was a great convo, Richie. Really think that we, we covered a lot of new and, and interesting ideas and, and, and tips during this particular session. So I really appreciate your insights and, and experience that you've been able to share. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, uh, you guys um, and your viewers, uh, sorry, not viewers, but your listeners has uh, have found <laughs> some value from this conversation. And yeah, and if anyone wants to reach out to me on um, any platform, it is uh, Richie Bachala, B-A-C-H-A-L-A, my last name, and I'll be happy to have more conversation. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. Sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for, for tuning in. Richie, we actually put this up on the Enterprise DNA YouTube channel as well. So there is viewers and there are listeners. So that's a, oh, wow. that's just a, okay. yeah, yeah. I so have, um, I would have combed my hair if, that, if I would have known that. <laughs> No, you're looking looking sharp. You're looking sharp, mate. So yeah, so it's on all. all so definitely tune in. You know, on all all your favorite podcast listening apps. Uh, we also put this up on our on our YouTube channel, the Enterprise DNA channel. We also, by the way, have a an analytic mind YouTube channel as well, where we where we put small snippets of our conversation. So we okay. we we have a number of subscribers there there too, and and. And obviously, uh, we're we're pretty we're pretty young, so um, we are uh, we're we're still building up our uh, viewership and our, okay. our listeners, but we're growing fast, which is which is really exciting. So thanks to all the listeners out there who are um, participating and and getting involved uh, in in the channel and and through all the different ways that we're distributing the content. Okay, Richie, really appreciate it. Let's uh, let's round thanks, it off. Sam. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Sam. Have a good one. Take care. Thanks for tuning in everyone. It's great to be connected and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.